As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at killerqueenspodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Welcome back. Welcome back to Killer Queens. Um, This is part two of a two-parter. Just a friendly warning. Go back if you haven't listened to part one, lest you be confused as fuck. You can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, we're... We're not gonna, we're not here to tell you what to do or how to live your life. No, but if you don't want to be confused, maybe just, just listen to the first one. That's all. Yeah, that's all we're saying. Also, just in case you're not sure about it, we do have the Patreon. If you want extra episodes, if you want ad-free episodes, you can check it out. Thanks again to Skyla and Sloan for getting it all together for us. And without further ado, oh, again, if you forgot from the first episode to the second, trigger warnings. Oh, yes. Brief mention of cannibalism, dismemberment, homophobia, mentions of pedophilia, animal cruelty, and torture. Yes. That's not your bag. You can't handle it. You don't want to handle it. You don't like it. That is totally fine. And we will catch you on the next episode. A hundred percent. We totally get that. So at this point, like the last episode we left off where the police officers found the bodies in the barrels at the bank and they have arrested Robert Wagner, Mark Hayden, and John Bunting. And now it's kind of like getting into the investigation. These guys aren't talking. So why in the world did they do what they did? So now we're going to have re-enter Jamie Vlasakis. Not long after the men were arrested, the detectives got a surprise visitor, Jamie Vlasakis. If you'll remember, Vlasakis was Bunting's stepson. Vlasakis spoke with the detectives and told them that he had information. He had a lot of information. Vlasakis worked out a deal for a lesser sentence because he was going to implicate himself in these murders but the police took it because they wanted their big fish. Vlasakis gave a confession that covered murders he'd heard John Bunting brag about, murders he himself had seen, and still more that he had participated in. Vlasakis told the detectives everything that he knew, every disgusting, disturbing detail. He was able to name every victim in the barrels as well as others. Vlasakis told them about Bunting confessing to him that he had killed Clinton Tresize back in late July or early August of 1992. Bunting wouldn't murder anyone else for another three years. That is so crazy that he was, he waited three years and then it was just like a spree, pretty much. Vlasakis mm-hmm. told them about 26-year-old Ray Davies' murder. Ray was murdered between December 25th, 1995 and January 21st, 1996. Ray was intellectually disabled and lived in the caravan behind Suzanne Allen's house. And I think we talked about that 
a little bit before, but... Yeah, at the very end of the last episode. Yeah. So Suzanne and Ray had once been in a relationship and he lived in her house with her. But after Christmas with her daughter and grandsons, one of the boys told his mom that Davies had sexually assaulted him. Suzanne accused Ray of molesting her grandsons and broke up with him. One source said they remained friends and she let him live in the caravan. Based solely on this. Like, because Suzanne kind of told everybody in the neighborhood that Ray had been molesting her grandson. And not that we should not believe children. Right. But there ended up being no evidence to substantiate it. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. But the events that took place directly after. Right. Because an, an event like that needs to be investigated. You can't just like fly off the handle mm-hmm. and take matters into your own hands. John Bunting. Yeah. So he decides a pedophile, obviously. So he's going to become this vigilante and kill Ray because he believes this needs to be done. So you can be a pedophile and not be gay, but if you're gay, you are automatically a pedophile? Apparently. Okay. I'm just just trying to yeah, get everything straight here. I think that's here. how it works. Yeah. Okay. After they strangled him with a garrote, beat his genitals, and crushed his toes with pliers, they buried his body in their backyard. Once they disposed of the body, they thoroughly cleaned Ray's caravan and moved it to another house where it was repainted and sold within two months. Oh, man. Bunting continued to collect Ray's disability payments. And this is he and Robert Wagner took care of all this. Yes. Suzanne became collateral damage when Bunting and Wagner feared she would talk and they'd get caught. They murdered her sometime between November 20th, 1996 and December 10th, 1996. And also just John Bunting just didn't like her. She got on his nerves and literally like, I don't think he even needed her to possibly talk. For him to decide that he wanted her gone. Yeah, her getting on his nerves was enough. She was very obviously in love with him for who knows why. I guess just the heart wants what it wants. And he didn't like that. And he was just annoyed by her affections. Presence, yes. Mm -hmm. It's just so crazy to me. I'm, I keep trying in my mind to make sense of his actions, and I cannot. Yeah, because there's no, yeah. You think you, I mean, there's no understanding it, but I'm like, okay, well, so he, he, he kills people because he's trying to rid the world of pure evil in his mind when he himself is the pure evil. But then he's also killing people because he doesn't like them and they're annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But then he also, like, I'm just, yeah. Okay. okay, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's like your logic, you know, quote unquote logic isn't holding up because it changes all the time. And also you're the fucking evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the evil. Vlasakis told detectives about Troy Yude. 21-year-old Troy had been Vlasakis' stepbrother and Vlasakis had told Bunting that Troy had molested him as a teen. There isn't anything other than Vlasakis' word to corroborate this, but that's all Bunting needed. Troy was in his bedroom when Bunting, Hayden, and Wagner showed up with Blasakis in tow. The men dragged Troy to the bathroom where they brutally tortured him. They burned him and crushed his toes with pliers. They tortured him until they had enough, and then they murdered him. Why the pliers? I do not under... That is... Why any of it? But the, the pliers? Yeah. They, they find things that they feel like have just got to be unfathomable to live through and then that's what they choose to do to people. The whole thing is stupid. The whole thing is just the dumbest thing ever. The the dumbest reasons to rid the world of these people. If, and I'm just, this is like devil's advocate. I'm just trying to like go with this. If these people are scum of the earth and we need to not have them on the earth any longer, let's go with that. Why you gotta torture them? Right. It's senseless. There is no reason for it. Yeah. If the whole reason is to just be like, okay, there's evil in this world and we got to get rid of it. Why are you going to torture them? So did he... There's not any mention of them torturing Suzanne. 
So is it, I want to pay attention to this now, moving forward, like, is it? Is a, he only torturing the ones that he believes are pedophiles? Because it's not like he's just killing people that he believes are pedophiles, but are those the people that he is torturing? I don't know. I think he just likes it, though. Well, but the thing is, okay, so let's just say that he's only torturing people who are pedophiles. The only pedophiles that he has tortured so far, and I say quote-unquote pedophiles, are men. Now, John Bunting is very homophobic, but he is sexually aroused by torture. He's only torturing men. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. Is this like you hate the devil within yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Trying to like overcompensate and yeah. Interesting. And also think about Troy Ute. His brother is standing there and just not helping him. Mm -mm. And they ended up telling him to take part in it somewhat. I, I, he, they asked him, they told him to like kick his body, I think, once he was dead. Mm-hmm. And do you wonder why I don't trust you? Well, see? Well, I mean, your hands are tied. I don't, I don't blame you. Mm-mm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lasaki's told the detectives about 19-year-old Michael Gardner. Michael was another openly gay man, and this was, again, enough motive for bunting. He found the fact that he was gay offensive to him because we need to really worry about, like, what offends John Bunting, of course. Yeah, he's the most important person in the world. Mm -hmm. Michael was murdered sometime between August 31st and September 17th of 1997. After he was murdered, Bunting had a friend named Fred Brooks call Michael's friends pretending to be him so that they would believe that he was still alive and to keep the police away. He had Fred request Michael's wallet from the friends because Michael, quote unquote, needed his ID. Obviously, Bunting just wanted his money. But they also took a bunch of stuff from his friend's apartment. And so they were calling her and being like, hey, Michael needs his wallet. Michael needs his wallet. Meet us here. And she's like, I want, I need my shit. Yeah, I need my stuff back. Like he stole like a TV. You know, she thought he stole her stuff and just took off. And she's like, okay, he wants his wallet back. He's going to have to bring me my stuff back. And they wanted her to meet them somewhere. And she was like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not going to do that. And she never did. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And I think they were probably under the impression that Michael would have had his wallet with him, mm -hmm. but he had it in his apartment and she knew where it was in his apartment. She found it and they were screwed because otherwise, how else are they going to get into his bank account and all that, which is what they, and that's another thing. Again, like you said, he's making this whole thing like, oh, well, I'm doing this vigilante justice and stuff. No, you're not. You're just trying to steal people's money so that you can sit on your ass all day. Exactly. Planning your next murder. Fuck off. Right. Lasaki's then told them about the murder of 18-year-old Fred Brooks. It, nobody is safe around these people. Mm -mm. 
He told them that Fred had been murdered between September 16th and 19th of 1998 when Bunting, who had been in a relationship with Fred's mom at some point, made the assumption that Fred was a pedophile. Bunting gets around so much for somebody who's a piece of shit human and not that cute. Yes. Being attractive is subjective, but still. He's... I can't think of one person who would be like, that. that's an attractive guy. How he pulls so much ass. I know. I don't get get it. it. And I mean, obviously, like, he's saying Fred's a pedophile, which is not true. There's absolutely nothing to... Substantiate that. Yeah. No, nothing like even an inkling or anything. But if he was the person to have impersonated Michael... He's probably just trying to tie up loose ends. I don't know if this makes him sleep at night, like helps him sleep at night. I don't know. But I think he's just like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll just murder someone else. I think he, it, I mean, like you said, he's loose cannon. He doesn't need a reason to murder anybody. No. And honestly, even if even if Fred didn't have any any part in anything, he just picked people because he believed they were easy targets too. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't even, he didn't need either of those reasons. And what he did to Fred. Oh my God. Is oh my God. the most brutal torture I've ever heard about. Yes. Bunting, Wagner, and Vlasakis burned Fred with cigarettes and did their signature toe crushing with pliers. But this time they also stuck, you guys, this is horrible, a lit sparkler into his penis and held him down while it burned all the way. And they, John liked that so much. Like he thought it was so cool that after that first one burned out, they did it a second time. Why? It's this poor man, Mm -hmm. this poor man. The men also attached a variac machine to Fred's testicles. The machine would deliver electric shocks to his testicles. Finally, they shoved a rag into his mouth and let him choke to death. They also, I don't know why, but they also injected like water into his testicles. And I don't know what that does or what they think that's going to do. But I would guess just hoping that it would be just another painful thing. Yeah, just uncomfortable. Fred's last moments on earth had to have been some of the most painful moments that anybody has ever experienced. Yes. And that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. For, for nothing. For, for again, however long of... For an empty accusation. Mm-hmm. And for just probably the sexual gratification of John Bunting, who doesn't want to admit that he gets off by only hurting and torturing other men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lasaki's kept talking. He told them about the murder of 21-year-old Gavin Porter between April 3rd and 8th of 1998. Gavin was a friend of Lasaki's, but Bunting knew that he was a drug addict. In Bunting's eyes, Gavin's addiction made him a quote-unquote waste. Perfect. And Lasaki's was also addicted to drugs. They both did drugs together, he and Gavin. But again, this is kind of like that whole... Barry Lane, Robert Wagner, you know, for whatever reason. It's like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, he like, he finds it a major problem for anybody else to be gay, but they were in openly in a relationship together when he first met them. That was fine with him. And Barry Lane was a convicted pedophile. Like, again, not a problem. Vlasakis is addicted to drugs. That's cool. Gavin Porter, though, waste of a human being. Like, he doesn't deserve to live because he and, added, you know, to his pedophile, gay men, people like that need to be... His list of reasons why people should die. Mm-hmm. He added drug addiction to the list. And Gavin Porter left a needle. He kind of would leave needles all over, I think. But there was one on the couch. John Bunting sits down on it one day, gets poked with it, and he's like, that's it. He's dead. And he was asleep in the back of the car, and they go and just strangle him to death. Like, just don't. Yeah, why in his eyes one is better or worse than the other? Yeah. Nobody is a waste. That's hateful. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Then in October or November of 1998, Bunting hadn't killed in a while, so he was getting itchy. For no other reason than that, he put a target on 29-year-old Gary O'Dwyer. He was also on disability due to a car accident, so surely that added appeal for Bunting to kill him because he can get disability payments too. Gary was killed in his own home like many of the other victims. During all of this time, Barry Lane had been on Bunting's radar, but he let him live because he needed him. But his usefulness came to an end in October or November of 1997. Barry Lane was very open with his sexuality and, like we said, was known to dress in women's clothing and at times go by the name Vanessa. Bunting considered him quote-unquote dirty, and as a convicted pedophile, Lane had two strikes against him. That's like two strikes against him, but everybody else, it takes a negative one. Yeah. A half of a strike and you're out. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. And he's the only person out of everybody that we've talked about that actually has a conviction and is proven to be a pedophile. Mm -hmm. (sighs) The only thing keeping him alive was his ability to lead Bunting to victims. His third strike came when Bunting decided that Lane was no longer of any use to him and Lane was getting chatty about the murder of Clinton Tresize. Bunting provided Lane with a script of things to say. Later, he would take the recordings and splice them into a message for Lane's mother. It would tell her that Lane was leaving to move to Queensland and he didn't want her to ever contact him again. After they murdered Lane, they stole his car and continued to claim his disability payments. Hmm. Thomas Trevelyan was 18 years old when he participated in the murder of Barry Lane, but he was known to be erratic and because of that, Bunting saw him as a potential threat to his safety. And Thomas Trevelyan, at the time, the only reason he knows Bunting is because he was dating Barry Lane. Mm -hmm. I don't understand his hold on people because this is a new person for Thomas Trevelyan to meet. It's not like, okay, well, I'm dating this guy now and I like him, but I've known this guy my whole life and I feel like I owe him, you know, like whatever. It's like, You'd think your loyalty would be to the guy that you're dating, not his friend who's like, okay, well, we're going to murder your boyfriend now. Are you in or are you out? Like, I mean, I don't know how it came about, how they talked to him, but I just don't understand his hold on people. I don't either. And how his ability, I think with a lot of cases, I'm like, how do you find people who are so willing to help you commit a murder? I just don't understand that. Yeah, because, you know, normally serial killers act alone. And a big part of that is because they, people talk. Yeah, people talk. Like, and what are the odds that literally everybody you approach and invite them to murder with you are going to be like, okay, well, I don't have any plans today. So yeah, I'll give it a shot. Like, no, most people are going to fucking turn your ass in. 100%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. November of 1997, Thomas was hanged by Bunting and Wagner in an attempt to make it appear as though he had died by suicide. And it was ruled a suicide for a long time. Like, until Vosakis came forward, they didn't think that that was connected in any way, shape, or form. Then there was Elizabeth Hayden. Mm-hmm. Vlasakis told detectives that Bunting thought that she knew too much. She was married to Mark Hayden, and Hayden had been involved in many of the murders, not to mention that Bunting had never liked her, and she was drawing disability. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's the worst place you could be in. 
Yeah. If you're around somebody like Bunting. Exactly. So in November of 1998, Elizabeth became their next victim. I just cannot believe (laughs) this case is so heavy with victims, which is so tragic. But it's like literally every turn, you're like, oh, this guy that stood next to John Bunting, like, I'm like, who else are they going to go after? Oh my gosh. And you could think, because I could imagine if I was friendly with somebody, okay, let's just say you're John Bunting. And, but I'm like, really, I mean, I'm close. You're the closest person that I am with anybody, like other than dad, you know, Miss KB, but like, we're the closest that we've ever been. Can you imagine being in a position where you're like, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if they would kill me. I don't know. She's killed other people. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But I'm the best friend that she's, but I could be next. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. You're like always looking over your shoulder. Like nobody is safe or they could murder my wife and kids. They could murder my, you know, like who knows? And for Mark Hayden, that's your wife. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, okay, well, if it's got to happen, it's got to happen, I guess. Whatever you say, I don't know. While her husband and children were reportedly out of the house, Bunting and Wagner came in. They claimed that she, quote unquote, behaved sexually, and they considered her to be, quote unquote, dirty and treacherous. The hypocrisy. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. She behaved sexually. First off, no the fuck she didn't. What Was she wearing Bermuda shorts? Showed Mm. too much leg? Mm. If you could see her ankle, she's asking for it. What the fuck? I hate this case. Yeah, I hate it. They tortured and killed her inside her house. Sources say that when Hayden was shown the remains of his wife, he laughed and wasn't upset. When the men were later interviewed separately, they all told different accounts of what happened with the Land Cruiser. I remember the Land Cruiser was found in the house that, or it was in a, a yard of the house that he re- also rented. Yes, and yeah, all that, it, yeah. there was a connection there, absolutely. Finally, Vlasakis tells detectives about the last victim, 24-year-old David Johnson. David had been a stepbrother to Vlasakis as well. As we told you in the beginning, David had been hoping to buy a new computer and Vlasakis told him that he knew where he could get one. Vlasakis took David to the abandoned bank that was rented by Bunting and Hayden. Once there, David was jumped by Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden. They did their typical spiel of making David read a script so they could later edit and make his family think he left, and then they tortured him. They also obtained his banking info. But when Wagner and Vlasakis went to the active bank to test the information from David, Bunting couldn't control himself. By the time Wagner and Vlasakis returned, Bunting had killed David. Wagner had been upset that he didn't get to quote-unquote play. Gross. Yes. The men dismembered David and cut off pieces of his flesh. Then they took the flesh to a friend's house across the street in a plastic glove. The men told their friend that they brought some meat. They fried the flesh up and ate it. They also served some to their unsuspecting friend. I don't know what I would do. Well, can you imagine like Jeffrey Dahmer, all of his neighbors? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's... There's so much wrong with that. It's not even funny. Yeah. You have to like literally just never be able to eat any kind of meat ever again after that. Just the like, no. Post-traumatic stress that you would experience. Oh my God. Unless they happen to find this friend that was like, yeah, I'd eat a human. <laughs> I, shit. I mean, them, I don't know. There's so many people in here that are so evil. I wouldn't be surprised, I guess. I know. It's just, it blows my mind that like you have this many people that are just like in the world that have come up, that have come in contact with each other. Yes. In the same time in history. Yeah. What are the odds? And then they're all just like, ah, yep, sure. I'll, I'll help you murder somebody. Oh, you just need me to dispose of a body? No problem. That's fine. Although, I mean, we're covering the devil, you know, on the Patreon. He's got a lot of accomplices too. Like, that's true. A lot of people helped him bury bodies or knew about it and didn't say anything. Like, I don't know. It just, it blows my mind. I guess the pos- the capabilities of human beings. Kind of sad. It's terrifying. It's scary, yeah. So that was May 9th, 1999. Less than two weeks later, the police were in the vault. 
At the bank, police also discovered a plethora of knives. Saw what? A plethora? Remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plethora of knives, saws, double barrel shotguns, rope, tape, gloves, pliers, clamps, cloth, and the Variac machine they'd used on Fred Brooks and probably others. Police found out, probably from Vlasaki's confession, that Bunting made his victims call him God, Master, Lord, Sir, or Chief Inspector. Gross. They also found out that during the murders, Bunting often played the Throwing Copper album by the band Live, specifically during the murders of Troy Yu, David Johnson, and Fred Brooks. Two CDs were found at the scenes. Live I Alone and Live Lightning Crashes. Those are such great songs, and that pisses me off. Bunting and Wagner were charged with 11 counts of murder and would stand trial together. Mark Hayden would be tried separately and on lesser charges involving assisting in the murders. Jamie Vlasakis pleaded guilty to four counts of murder. Uh, Troy Ude, Gary O'Dwyer, Fred Brooks, and David Johnson. And on June 9th, 2001, agreed to be the star witness for the other men in return for a lesser sentence. He was the prosecution's way of giving context to all of these horrific murders. He was the storyteller. And what a story he told. He covered the eight years between the first murder of Clinton Tresize and the last murder of David Johnson, and his statement that was taken between July and September of 2001 was 2,000 pages long. Wow. Sloan said, for reference, the largest Harry Potter book is 607 pages, and all seven books are 3,400 pages. Jeez Louise. That's, that's a thick, a thick bitch right there. It was said that Vlasakis was remorseful and that he apologized for what he'd done. Um, I, I'm torn on Vlasakis. Yeah, I, I don't even, I don't even necessarily think I'm, I'm torn. Like, he I, was a child when this started. I believe that he was impressionable enough and that he really wanted to please and be respected by or not disappoint mm-hmm. Bunting. Mm-hmm. There is no excuse for aiding in the murder, but I also think that he was... I mean, who is to know who was going to be next, according to Bunting? That's scary. Yeah. You do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. And he, I mean, he told the police, like, I was afraid for my life. It, cause, you know, because they're like, okay, well, then why didn't you report it? And in most cases, I feel the same way. I'm like, you could have reported it at any time. Okay, but what did we learn? What have we learned so far in the double you know? Go ahead and report it. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. Yeah, because what if he had gone to the police and they were like, well... We're gonna we'll look into this or whatever, and, and then, then they the go police, to fucking Bunting's house. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, your stepson told us we'll talk that. This. Yeah, blah blah blah. Okay, well then the next day he's dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. That's a hundred percent. Like if Bunting even thought that he talked to somebody, he, he would have killed him. Anybody that he had an inkling of, like they could possibly roll over on me, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Even his right hand henchman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Bunting and Wagner, on the other hand, obviously didn't give a shit about what they'd done. They were reportedly cold and calm during court and showed zero remorse. Pieces of shit. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. While Bunting and crew were motivated by greed in a way, it was very obvious that the torture was thoroughly enjoyed by Bunting and Wagner, at least. 
The gang was greedy and would typically kill people who were vulnerable. Many of the victims were described as having quote-unquote low intelligence. Most were receiving disability payments or some other form of support. Bunting, Wagner, Hayden, and Blasakis used this as part of their reason for killing. However, much like Joey's reasons for putting Chandler in a box, their reasons were threefold. <laughs> Dude, thanks, Sloan. Thanks for that little so gem. So good. Uh, one was money. Two, the person had become a risk. Or three, it hurts and they like that. Again, I just have to reiterate the fact that the only people that they tortured were men. Mm-hmm. And one of the driving forces behind the killings was homophobia. I'm just saying. Yeah. Who are you trying to convince, John Bunting? In the end, the men were able to steal about $95,000 in welfare benefits. But Bunting was said to have referred to the money as icing on the cake. Whoa, my God. Jeez. Forensic evidence put all three men, Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden, in the vault. Bunting and Hayden's names were on the rental agreement for the bank, and financial records proved they stole the money from their victims. During the trial, three jurors had to be released from the case. They couldn't handle hearing all the details. I do can't, not blame them. Can't blame them, no. Judge, jury, and victims' families had to sit and listen to the cassette tapes the men had made of their victims, reading the scripts that Bunting gave them. The recordings have never been released due to how graphic they are. I would never want to hear it. Never. Absolutely not. I'm so glad they haven't been released, though, because you know so many people would listen to it. Well, I mean, look at how many people listen to the fucking Grizzly Man murder. Oh. Uh-huh. Remember? Yeah. He and his girlfriend, and they, like, got ripped apart by grizzly bears. And I've heard, I know people who have listened to it. I can't sleep at night thinking about what that sounds like. No. God. Yeah. During sentencing, Bunting's asshole behavior and lack of remorse continued. He couldn't even be bothered to listen to the verdict and the sentencing. Instead, he read a fucking book. <laughs> I mean, dude, you got plenty of time to read a book in jail, so. Well, and maybe he's got, he had a big reading list that he wanted to tackle and he didn't want to waste any time. Well, sure. What if he runs out of time? Right. I don't know. Nevertheless, on September 8th, 2003, John Justin Bunting was convicted and sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences with no chance of parole. It was determined that there was no chance for him to be rehabilitated. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Robert Joe Wagner was convicted and sentenced to life without parole. Mark Ray Hayden received a 25-year sentence with 18-year minimum on his lesser charges. I'm sorry, but anybody who can view the photos of of his wife's remains, the mother of his children, and be like, that's weird. That's okay. pretty so are funny. are we done here? Yeah. Or am I supposed to care about this? Or I, I'm confused. Kind of wasting my time here. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be rehabilitated either. James Jamie Spiridon Blasakis got life with a 26-year minimum. I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, he was so young when it all happened. Like I'm shocked that Ray, Mark Hayden, got less of yeah. a sentence. Yeah. Than Blasakis did. Yeah. I just feel like... I'm not sure if I feel like that's fair. Right. Because Bunting is also a father figure to him. You know, he's obviously going to take advantage of that. He's going to manipulate Blasakis in any way that he can. He is, you know, telling him, your brother deserves to be murdered. Look at what he did to you. You know, all these things. like exploiting a young, impressionable person. Yes. Yeah. The jury had been unable to make a decision about Suzanne Allen's murder. Bunting and Wagner had said that she died of natural causes and they just buried her. You know. Okay, Robert Durst. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't murder my friend. I dismembered my friend. And as far as I know, there's no law against that. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. The jury decided that there wasn't sufficient evidence to prove or disprove this. Okay. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say that's a no for me, dog. I know, because like I guess because of decomposition or whatever, maybe you can't exactly tell specifically how she died, but I can fucking guarantee you that if Robert Wagner and John Bunting are the ones that quote unquote found her body, 
It's because they made it so. Well, yeah, you you don't... Robert Wagner and John Bunting being anywhere and there being a dead body that followed, that's not by accident. Uh-uh, no. The, the odds that two serial killers happened upon a dead body and then dismembered it anyway when it's not their mess to clean up? Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-mm. No. During sentencing, Wagner said, pedophiles were doing things to children. The authorities didn't do anything about it. I decided to take action. I took that action. Thank you. And by thank you, you mean you're welcome? I guess. But like most of the victims were not proven to be pedophiles, nor had any of them reported to the police. Like these were not things that were being reported to the police. Bunting never went to the police and was like, hey, um, I have information that this person is a pedophile. Nobody around them went to the police. Well, here's what happened. You're living a fucking fantasy. Mm. There, this, this is something you made up in your own mind. Yeah. And maybe, maybe your brain needs to do that to protect you from the monster that you really are. I don't know. But that's not what happened. The only person that was a convicted pedophile was Barry Lane, and he still did not deserve to die. Mm-mm. He deserved to be prosecuted. He deserved to be... In- and he was prosecuted. Yeah. But you don't get to just go around killing people. You don't get to take that matter into your own hands. Yeah. And furthermore, that's just not what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because these people, none of it was proven. Mm-mm. The case is still considered one of the biggest, longest trials in South Australia legal history. The prosecution spent 174 days calling 227 witnesses and spent about $15 million. The defense rested after 18 minutes. Wow. I would not have wanted to be one of their defense lawyers. No. There were more than 200 suppression orders issued during the trial and a record number of victim impact statements. Elizabeth Harvey, John Bunting's wife and Jamie Vlasaki's mom, would likely have been one of the people tried for these murders. However, she died of cancer not long after the arrest, and but she was there for many of the murders and was a participant in a few. Associate Professor of Criminology at Bond University, Wayne Petherick, told the City of Evil documentary that other than the crimes they commit being extraordinary, serial killers are mostly unremarkable people. He said that they aren't the criminal masterminds we see on TV and in movies for the most part. Generally, they are more lucky than smart. I think that that is significant and very important to keep in mind because Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, serial killers are sensationalized and they are idolized. Yeah. And you think that they're these larger-than-life people and you give them way too much credit. I think that it could be argued that we are part of the problem, but I think that what we're trying to do is help people be more aware of their situations to give shed light on scary situations so you could possibly do something with that, like almost an educational type of thing. Mm -hmm. But also, I just get so sick because that's what serial killers want. They want people to think that they are bigger than they are. Yeah. Not even serial killers. Any killer. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Yeah. So many of them do it for fame or want to be remembered. The infamy. Yeah. Yeah. Once they get arrested, they do what they can to, you know, go down in history and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, why would we? They want to be infamous. Exactly. Infamous. It's bigger than famous. So many Three Amigos quotes today. Oh my God. It was also mentioned by a few experts in the documentaries that the fact that the torture was so intensive and went on for so long shows that Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden, and possibly Vaslakis, were enjoying themselves. Yep. Bunting had created his own little cult using the philosophy that there are insiders, which would be them, and there are outsiders, which would be anybody who's gay, um, pedophiles, perceived or real. And the insiders are right and everyone else is wrong. This case is considered unique because there are so few cases where serial killers work in groups. They tend to be solo artists, but Bunting's murder cult was one of the few instances where a group of killers worked together. Another unique side to this was that the killers targeted people they knew. Much like Charles Ng and Leonard Lake, another unusual instance of serial killers and teamwork, these killers didn't venture outside of their own associates. Everyone in their victim list was easily connected to them. Because of Bunting and his friends, 
Snowtown became synonymous with murder. This small area of Southern Australia and its population of under 500 had become split in how to deal with their new reputation. Some people embraced their new identity. They began developing and selling souvenirs and welcomed the people who came to Snowtown to take pictures of the bank. Meanwhile, the other side of the population was trying to move beyond this nightmarish piece of their history. They even went so far as to consider changing the name of the town that had been established in 1878. But the name change didn't occur, and Snowtown is still the name. Instead, they try and discourage the dark tourists who want to come and visit. While Robert Wagner will be spending the rest of his life in prison, that doesn't mean he can't find love, though, right? He was using a prison pen pal website to try and meet women. According to his profile, he was, quote-unquote, keen to meet women who are up for exchanging interesting material with each other. What does that mean? I don't like that. What does that mean? I know. I don't. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. Mm -mm. However, the Department of Corrections has requested that the site take Wagner's profile down. There you go. A spokesman said the department first and foremost has a duty of care to victims of crime and does not condone the activities of the prisoner pen pal website in question. No prisoner in South Australia is permitted internet access and any prisoner profile listed on this or similar sites would have been created by someone external to a correctional facility. The spokesman also said that Wagner's mail is very carefully monitored and filtered. No letter from a quote-unquote pen pal would make it to him anyway. Robert Wagner wasn't finished with his life yet, though. He also applied to the Supreme Court to get parole. Apparently, according to the ABC News, under Australia law, a prisoner without parole can attempt to get a parole date if they apply to the sentencing board. However, the court can decline this if they feel it's inappropriate. They can take into consideration things like the gravity of the offense and decide that it's best to keep that person behind bars. The judge in this case, Brian Martin, said, I cannot make an order that you are never to be released. If I had the power to make an order that you are never to be released, I would unhesitatingly make that order. However, nothing said whether or not this was granted. It's possible that this is another decision that's waiting, like maybe for COVID to end. Other than Wagner's Antics, not much is known about the killers today. Everyone else is being quiet, and Jamie Vlasakis has had his identity protected by the court since he was a minor. Well, what good did that do? Hmm. The house on Waterloo Corner has been demolished by the South Australia Housing Trust. The bank, which also had a four-bedroom house attached, was placed for auction in February of 2012. However, the reserve price was 200000 and the auction was only able to reach about 150000 Then there was an open house where an entrance fee was charged and that would be given to charity. They raised $700. That same year, the bank was sold to people who wanted to live in the house and set up a business in the bank. They bought it for $185,000 and intended to place a plaque to honor the victims of this tragedy. There was also a feature film created in 2011 based on the details of this case. It has a 6.6 out of 10 stars on IMDb. The movie appears to be based around Jamie and his family. Roger Ebert called the movie a chilling study of evil, dominant personality, and his victims. I'm pretty sure it's just called Snowtown. I think it is too. too. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. That's it. The end. Not really sure what to do with all that. It's just one of those cases that just makes you feel heavy. Yeah, heavy and just awful and like you need to take a shower. Yes. It's one of those cases that you feel like no matter what, justice has not been served. Yeah. I mean, so many people lost their lives. Or nothing. I mean, not that you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is frustrating that David Johnson was still murdered when he was, they were under surveillance. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did that happen? I, I'm not going to be naive enough to think that just because you have an inkling, you can go ahead and arrest people and make a change. I get that. I know that these things take time. Look at how many victims there have been. <laughs> like I know. And they were all connected to them. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a situation where they just happen upon... Because in the 90s, it would have been more difficult than it would be today to make a connection. Right. But there were a million connections to be made. Yeah. And you could see that, I mean, they had early on that 
some of these victims benefits were still being accessed. And lo and behold, they look at the surveillance and who's going to pick up their stuff? Robert Wagner and John Bunting. Exactly. They're not supposed to have access to their bank account. Exactly. Is that not a crime? You couldn't arrest them for that? Like, that's fraud. Yeah. So, and they were doing that with multiple people. I mean, that's really what kind of kicked the case off was how many people's benefits are they accessing? And oh, by the way, nobody has heard from these people Yeah. And if they were, if in fact, what they quote unquote told their family members that they were leaving, wherever they were going, do they not need money? Right. Yeah. Do they not need money? Do they not need a a phone or use a credit card? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It just, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. But I guess in the end, all we can do is be grateful that these people are behind bars and hopefully for forever. Yes, totally. Because they definitely, I mean, I would hope to God that nobody's going to grant Robert Wagner parole. He still says, I did what I had to do, basically. I did you a favor. Yeah. You should be thanking me. Right. You motherfucker. He's like the human equivalent of Prego. You're welcome. (sighs) I was like, I don't know that. No, the the spaghetti sauce. Yeah, I get it now. (laughs) It was a stretch. It was a stretch. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next (laughs) one. Yeah. Sorry. I just feel like I wish we could like end on a high note. Yeah. Happy note of some kind, but there is not one to end on. I can't think of anything happy right now. Nothing. Uh, Maybe go watch an episode of Friends. That'll help you. Watch the one with the the reasons for being in a box. Oh, yeah. They are threefold. Threefold. All right. Well, we love you guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.